Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Mark chapter 1, verse 12, Luke 4, 1 says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. This was not a demon. This was the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Say that with me. He was hungry. Say it again. He was hungry. Turn to Mark 1, verse 12. Reading the same account. These are synoptic gospels. Mark chapter 1, verse 12 says, Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. It seems like there was a little bit of forceful or pushing, drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered to him. Here is Jesus walking through one of the most trying times of his life to date. He was on a mission. He was dedicated, yet fighting in ways that he has never fought before. Yet, all it did, this, this fight, this wilderness, this season, when it was done doing what it was sent to do, this attack just made him hungry. Mm. It didn't kill him. It just made him hungry. What if this morning I told you that the season that you are in, it will not kill you? What if I told you the season that you're in and you ask, why do I have to fight like this? Why am I in it? It may just be that God is trying to elevate your appetite to sustain you for the next dimension that he has for you. I feel this word this morning. Anybody feel that already? Come on, let's just pray right now. Lord, speak to your people. Speak for your servants are listening. Lord, right now I speak against anything that's fighting for our attention that may distract us, anything that may be fighting for brain space right now. Lord, I just declare right now that peace is going to be in this house over these next few moments. Lord, and joy is coming in this house. Victory is coming in this house today. Lord, and I declare right now that our eyes are going to be locked on you. Our ears are in tune with your spirit. Lord, and I pray that as this word goes forth, may it be like fire in our bones this morning. And the church said amen, amen, and amen. Before I go any forward, uh, further with this text, I want to take a moment and look at the preceding text this morning because the preceding text is very important. It's very significant because it emphasizes just how important this text is. And the text that precedes this temptation of Jesus is the text that validates. It's a validation of Jesus. It appears that Jesus' official beginning of his ministry 
was at the age of 30, the word says, but truly it was beginning long before 30. Because see, when God starts something, he begins that thing in the background. When God starts doing something in your life, he, it, it is usually taking root in obscurity. You really may not be able to see it. Those around you may know nothing about it. So if you are in the room this morning and you feel obscure, you feel unknown, you feel like nobody knows uh, the, the gifts or talents that you have, you may feel a little mediocre in life, you feel like nothing is happening, that probably means that, that in the middle of your nothing, something is actually happening. Something is occurring in the background of life. Isn't that no, uh, good news this morning? That when it feels like you are in a season of nothing, God is still doing something. Anybody thankful for that this morning? Because to the enemy, you may look like nothing. To the enemy, you may seem obscure. You may, he's, not, he's not afraid of you. You may seem frail in faith. But behind closed doors, God is doing something so special in your life so that whenever it is your time and you come out of your prayer closet, it will actually catch the enemy off guard because you're going to come out of this thing stronger than you went in this thing. Come on, somebody. You're going to come out of this thing with more joy than you went into this thing. I want to speak that over you. You're going to come out better than you went in. It may look like you are in a neck deep in nothing, but God is doing something on your behalf this morning. If you're thankful, let him know today. I said, if you're thankful, let him know today. Don't get me started. It appears that Jesus' ministry begins at 30, but, but really we, we kind of see the background at kicking off at 12. 12 to 30 was preparation. 12 to the age of 30 seemed like forever. 12 to 30 to the outsider seemed like nothing was really going on in Jesus' life. 12 to 30 was what we call the process. We've got to be a people that understand the significance of process. I speak of process a lot because, because it's the, 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 there's value when we can understand the process because the truth of the matter is that if you skip the process, you diminish destiny. If you skip the process, when you get to the miracle, you won't even know that it is the miracle because that's the, that's the importance of going through process. God started it at age 12, but nobody really notices it until he gets to the age of 30 because destiny and purpose are not microwavable. Amen? My staff may get mad at me, but it's kind of funny, so I'll let it slip this time. We were talking about a microwave because our microwave has been broken downstairs. And they're like, when are you going to get a microwave? We need hot lunch. And I looked and said, have you ever worked a stove? <laughs> they're like, and it hit them. I don't have to eat cold lunch anymore. But praise the Lord, we have a microwave again. I won't tell you who it was. I but I don't think they're in this room. 
It doesn't just pop in and in 30 seconds you're ready for ministry. You don't read a chapter on a book of anointing and you wake up and you're full of anointing. It's a process, but God is like a slow roaster. He is roasting you through the trials. He is tenderizing your heart and your spirit through the fire of tribulation so that whenever it is your time, that field is not foreign to you, but it's actually familiar to you. The process is so that when you get to it, you can be successful in it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to walk through a door that I'm not ready for anybody and 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 we don't shout when we hear the word process because process it really isn't fun because process takes time process takes waiting and we don't like process because we are told by our culture that, that, that to give me what I want when I want and how I want it but that's not how it works in the kingdom because in the kingdom whatever the king says goes whatever the king wants for you will always prevail in his kingdom see it's hard to preach about this temptation without bringing up his validation because God worked this process for some 18 years some of you can't wait 18 minutes 18 seconds 18 years of preparation 18 years of what the Bible says, increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Because the truth is that if you can get, the truth is if you get it and lose it, you probably were not ready for it to begin with. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to what God has for me and lose it. I don't ever want to get to what God has for me this year and lose it next year. But I want God to trust me, anybody. I want God to bless me, anybody. I want to go through the process so that I can hold on to whatever God has for me. See, that's why a lot of people outside of the church have problems with people inside of the church because they've watched the bride, they've watched leaders, they've watched people call themselves Christians and God gives them something but they cannot hold on to what God has given them but I feel like I'm in a room full of people today that have made up their minds God whatever you put in my hand I'm going to hang on to it God whatever you bless me with I will not let it go because I'm in the process and I'm increasing in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man And at 30 years old, God said, now is the time. I've watched you in the temple. I've watched you walk. I've watched you in your prayer time. Now for 18 years, now that you're 30, now is your time for you to not only know who you are, but now is the time for you to actually be who I created you to be. Have you ever known who you are, but those around you did not know who you were? You knew you had gifts, but those around you did not appreciate the gifts. And we watch as Jesus' ministry begins. We watch as Jesus is literally walking in toward the Jordan River. And John the Baptist, the evangelist of all evangelists, 
and now somewhat of an unmarked spiritual father to Jesus. He looks through the crowds and says, Behold, it's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And John, doing what every great spiritual father, doing what every great leader should do, he, 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 he is releasing identity and assignment. If you are a leader, you need to take note of that because great leaders, whether you have a title or whether it's just a one-on-one -on -one relationship, great leaders will always release identity and assignment to you because when it's your time, you will not have to go and make a new, public figure Facebook page just so that you will have respect that you think you deserve. Come on somebody. You will not have to attach a title before or after your name to get the honor that you think that you are worth. But whenever it is your time, let God put you in the spotlight. Don't create your own. When it is your time, let God give you the title. Don't create your own title. When the process is complete, let God open the door. Don't you open the door that's why you need people that are full of the Holy Spirit around you that's why you need people that are full of the Holy Ghost circling around you because God will use those people to speak into you and bring you out of the process and into your purpose he will use the people around you not to tear you down but to build you up can I get an amen he will use those people to announce your gifts so that you don't have to yourself and in that moment a voice from heaven splits open the sky, breaks open the heavens, and God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm very pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. How could God be pleased when Jesus' public ministry really has not even began yet because he had already seen everything that Jesus was going to be long before he ever stood in the crowd because he watched Jesus through the process. He watched his faithfulness and his dedication and he knew that he was not going to let go of what he was about to put on him. Get this, in that moment, the heavens opened and so often, we want the heavens to open. So what do we do? We, we search for a song about heaven's opening. We, 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 we as Pentecostals, we sing it again and again. And that third time, we like to change keys because we think it's about to do something. Amen. We try to preach the right word to get the heavens to open. And we want the heavens to open. And all of those things can shift the atmosphere. And all of those things can create an opening in the heaven. But in this moment, in this passage, in this story, because of the process that Jesus had been through, it was, it was, it was his dedication that opened the heavens. It was, it, was, it was his obedience. It was a moment of submission that led to the heavens opening. Is there anyone in the house this morning? You want the heavens to open over your house. Anybody in this house, you want the heavens to open over your church, over your city, over your state, over your nation, over the world. Try being obedient, submit, and watch the heavens open. And we watch this validation of Jesus. And it was a beautiful moment. 
Because it's the first time that we actually see and hear this audible visual representation of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit all together at one time at the same place as the Father in heaven is speaking to earth. And the Son is standing in the waters of submission. And the Holy Spirit is descending like a dove. That dove didn't just land on him, but it got in him that day. I don't know about you, but I don't just want the dove to land on me. I want that dove to get in me. I said, I don't know about you. I just don't want the Holy Spirit to blow on me on Sunday because somebody is singing around me or somebody's preaching a word over me. But I want it to be like fire inside of me every day of my life. Anybody there every week, every year? Anybody feeling it this morning? We need the dove. Amen. We need the dove to seal the process. We need the, we, we need the dove so that we do not lose grip of what God has for us. The dove was the stamp that he was ready. He'd been through the process. He had been validated. And this dove was the, he's ready. Because see, sanctification is separation from. But the anointing, the dove, the spirit is designation for. Because whenever he gives you the gift of the Spirit, it isn't just so you can feel good. It isn't just so you can dance. It isn't just so you can get little goosebumps. It isn't just so you can speak in tongues. But whenever he gives you the Spirit, he is putting something in front of you to go to. Get this. This is not just a life-changing moment. But this moment that I'm talking about, this is a name-changing moment. This is, this is more than just a great story. This is life-altering. It's bringing, it's bringing clarification to people who've been waiting thousands of years. People in the crowds are now starting to see because before the Spirit got on him, he was known as Jesus of Nazareth. But after this, he will be known as Jesus the Christ, the Christ, the anointed one. You know Jesus, the one that the dove got on. You know Jesus, the anointed one. Anybody want that for yourself this morning? You don't want to be known... Uh, you don't want to be known by where you're from. You don't want to be known by what you did in high school. You don't want to be known what you did last year. You may not even want to be known by what you did last night. You don't want to be known by your past, but you want to be known for the Christ that is in you and on and outside of you. I don't know about you this morning, but I don't care what anybody thinks about me. You can blog me on Facebook. You don't have to quote me on Twitter. I don't care if you like my style or my jacket today. I just want to be known as somebody who carries the Christ. I just want to be known as somebody that the dove didn't land on, but it's actually inside of him. Anybody there this morning? All of these things are happening and it's shifting the world. And that same Holy Spirit that so gently Landed on him. Is the same Holy Spirit that's now driving him to the wilderness. Driving. 
Seems like there was a little resistance. Jesus thinking, you just called me. I just got baptized. Why are you pushing me, Spirit? Anybody ever been like that? I don't know if I'm ready for this. Driving him, the word says. And in America, we love the validation moments. We love it when we're recognized. We love it when we're called out and we get the certificate. We love it when we get the plaque. We, the moments when, when, you know, he announces us. The moments when we're noticed. But we don't like it when that same Holy Spirit is driving us. And I want to ask you a question. I know you want to be validated by the Holy Spirit. But are you okay with the Holy Spirit driving you? Are you okay with the Holy Spirit pushing you? Are you okay with the Holy Spirit pushing you into something else? Because once you've been validated, there is a Holy Spirit that will not let you stay standing around forever. <laughs> the Holy Spirit don't like lazy. I'm going to preach this morning. Because he's not going to let you just keep the status of being saved and not serving. Woo, this morning I feel it. He's not going to let you say you're saved and you give nothing to the kingdom. But he feels you to push you beyond just saying I'm saved. But he pushes you to a place where not only you are saved, but you are full of his spirit. He's pushing, and we watch as the Holy Spirit is leading him, guiding him, driving him into a season of suffering. We don't preach about suffering because you don't get amens when you talk about suffering. The offering goes down when you start talking about suffering. We don't like to talk about suffering. But life is full of suffering. And, and you need to understand that in the kingdom, suffering is not to your disadvantage. It's actually to your advantage. <laughs> and if you've been going through some stuff, if you've been going through some suffering, this morning, I want to remind you, I want to speak it to you, be reminded that these light afflictions are just for a moment, but they are working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Glory. We want glory. You got to go through a wilderness. And I want to declare over you this morning that this thing you are going through is not going to kill you. I want to speak some life back into you and say that this thing is not going to take you out. This thing is not going to put you under the ground. This thing is not going to end your marriage. This thing is not going to kill your children. But God is allowing this thing to increase your anointing. Wow. He goes from the cool waters of the Jordan 
to standing in a dry wilderness in a moment. He goes from hearing the wings of the dove to hearing the hiss of the serpent. Like that. Anybody ever been there? Everything was going good at work. But you get home and there's Satan. Don't look at your spouse right now. I didn't say that, but I was insinuating it. Everything was going good. Lord, everything was going good. It was like glory. But this, this ain't glory land. You ever left your house and everything was going good? And you get to your place of employment? And there's Satan? Anybody? Chase, don't you say anything. Anybody? Lord, everything was going great. Lord, I thought it was supposed to be from glory to glory to glory. This ain't glory, Lord. You ever been in a place where you looked around and thought, this ain't glory? That's the way our southern people say This ain't glory, Lord. You will never see glory without a wilderness. You'll never get to your next glory unless the Spirit is driving you, pushing you. Jesus is here, and he gives the church of today this beautiful model, this beautiful plan for how to get the most out of your wilderness. I could write a book and sell it. How to get the most out of your wilderness. Step one, fast. They would close the book. <laughs> Refund? This ain't glory. He gives this beautiful plan. And as he's being tempted to lose the grip of what God was putting on him, that mantle that God was putting on him for heaven, he begins to fast because fasting prepares the soul for temptation. Fasting tells your flesh, no. You know how hard it is to tell your flesh, no? Y'all lying? Or you ain't fasting? Because if you would fast with us once a month, you would know. That thing that you've not craved will all of a sudden come in your dreams. And you can taste it. You can see it. Everywhere you go, somebody's got one. Anybody ever been there? Because... Fasting tells your flesh no. And this is difficult because we live in such a time that says, if you want it, you can have it. But fasting will tell your flesh no so your spirit can say yes. And he's giving us this plan. And the devil is so crazy. This is how stupid the devil is, y'all. The devil goes to Jesus, the bread of life, and attempts him with bread. Stupid. Turn this stone into a piece of bread. And he rejects the temptation because the bread of life doesn't need the bread of this world. 
He's like, I am the bread of life. And then he takes him up and tempts him. He's like, look, all these kingdoms can be yours. But he doesn't take it. Why? Because Satan is stupid because he forgot that he doesn't need a kingdom because he already has his kingdom and he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. Don't let Satan tempt you with stupid things that will change your life forever. There's a man in here you're being tempted by stepping outside your marriage or your relationship. The devil is a liar. Don't sell it for something so stupid. And then the devil himself takes him up and says, Oh, throw yourself down. Cast yourself down. Surely the angels will come and get you. The devil was tempting him to be a showboat. He was tempting him uh, with, with the urge. Come on, prove yourself. Show us who you really are. And there are people in this room this morning, you are trapped in your wilderness simply because you are trying to prove yourself to the wrong people. You are trying to validate yourself. But whenever you are in Christ, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody because he's proving himself through you. Man, help me out. He's been validated. He's been in the wilderness. He's been tempted, not by a demon, but by Satan himself. Some of us cry if we have a bad day. Some of us lose our minds at Starbucks. I said one shot, not two shots. You're killing me, barista. But he was tempted by Satan. This is Satan. And now Satan has departed because he realizes how stupid he really was. He walks away thinking, I can't get this guy. Jesus is tired. He's weary. He's exhausted. Anybody ever been there? Tired, weary, exhausted. But when it was done doing what it was sent to do, the wilderness didn't kill him, just made him hungry. The valley didn't kill him. Just made him hungry. It didn't destroy him. Man, he came out hungry. And I want to speak that over this house today. I want to speak this over your house today. This wilderness that you are in, this season that you are in, it's not going to kill you. It's just going to make you hungry. Hungry for more of the Lord. 
hungry for more of his presence. It's going to make you so hungry that you're going to get up earlier in the morning just because you're so hungry to hear from the Lord and pray. It's going to get you in a place like this when it's dark outside and it feels like the world is caving in. You're going to stand in moments like this and say, nobody else may praise him, but guess what? I've got a life to live. I'm coming out of this thing. This wilderness is not going to kill me. You may come out bruised, but you're coming out of this thing hungry. You're not going to die in this wilderness. You're going to get hungry for more. Anybody thankful?